Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I got my co-host, Matt, here with me, as always. Unfortunately, Matt, it is sad to say, but the Jets win streak has come to an end after a, quite honestly, heart-wrenching, gut-turning, disgusting loss to the New England Patriots at home, where after a good start, it seemed like Murphy's Law kicked in and everything bad that could happen did happen. Uh, starting and ending with an overturned interception for a touchdown by Michael Carter II after a John Franklin Myers roughing the passer penalty. And after that, with a, a 10-3 game right before the end of half, it was just downhill. So I want to take the first minute of here to give yourself the floor, sir, and, and let you kind of just vent about this past weekend because I know it was tough for all of us. It was very tough. Uh, what was it, 12 wins in a row for Belichick against the Jets? Mm-hmm. So we were trying to break this this curse that's been plaguing us for 12 games. Uh, and unfortunately, we did not do it. Uh, it was a huge game. Winning this game would have given us uh, a two wins in, in the AFC East uh, against the Patriots, who we haven't beaten in, like I just said, 12 games. Uh, it's it was kind of one of those games where we could have gotten rid of uh, a lot of demons, but we did not. Uh, I think last week we talked about, hey, if we can win in two aspects of the game, whether it's special teams and defense, then there's a good chance we're most likely going to win that game. Uh, we did not. We we the special teams came up struggling, uh, and the defense. Uh, held their own for a good chunk of the day. Uh, they only gave up field goals, uh, except for the one touchdown uh, to start the half, uh, which arguably wasn't uh, uh, shouldn't have been a touchdown. Uh, I, that had offensive pass interference written all over. Uh, it. Yeah, I've seen that exact play used as the definition for offensive pass it's, interference. Uh, it in, was in egregious, situations. to say the least. Uh, so, but for the most part, they were okay. Uh, the biggest takeaway, though, for the defense is that they got tired because the offense was not doing anything all day. Uh, so all those three and outs and all that time on the field for the defense just really wore them out. And before we started, we were talking about how last year with C.J. Mosley, how he couldn't really make it throughout the entire season with his snap count that he uh, had. And he's playing 100% of snaps pretty much every game. And if he's on the field this much throughout a game, it's going to wear him down. Uh, So we're going to see that with these aging vets like Joyner and CJ. 
is a possibility that they're not going to make it through this season playing at the high level that they're playing at. No, that's the, that's the fear right now. And with the offense's performance and quite honestly, mainly the performance of Zach Wilson, that has been the issue is the defense gets left hung out to dry and they get worn out and they start the year hot and things are clicking and they're playing well. And as the year goes on, they either lose people to injury or their vets are having to play way too many snaps and they give up long drives. Like we saw multiple times this season where they get killed on third down. And then the last couple of weeks, they've been doing really well on third down. They were getting off the field, even though the offense was having trouble themselves this past week against the Patriots was a different story. And they really struggled on third downs and allowing conversions and long drives that we haven't really seen much of the year. And as the game went on, it just felt like body blow after body blow because the offense couldn't keep anything going. And it's a real shame. And this team is very talented. This team has a bright future ahead of them. And I don't think that the sky is falling and everything is over and end the season now. And it was fun while it's lasted. I don't think any of that. I think there's a lot of good improvements that have been made across this roster up and down by some young players and some veterans that are going to inspire hope for the rest of the season. This season is not over by any stretch of the imagination. There's still plenty of winnable games left. They're right in the thick of it for a wild card spot. And does the road get tougher now, having a loss to New England and potentially having to beat them on the road in two weeks to really keep uh, a lead in the division and hope you can get a better seating for the wild card? Yeah, but that's what playoff football is about. The Jets haven't been playing, even considering the playoffs at this point in any part of the season in a very long time. So I'm looking forward to the future. I still think that there is hope for this team. And regardless of how things end up shaking out, there's going to be improvements that last for a long, long time and are going to be foundational. This loss sucks. This loss hurts a lot. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm not going to pretend any of that isn't the case, but I've seen the jets play a hell of a lot worse than this against the Patriots before. And I've seen them play a heck of a lot better and lose games in much more disgusting fashion than this before. Let's just look at last year as an example, right? Exactly. Improvement. Right. (laughs) Exactly. A a 40 burger uh, and four interceptions. We got what? uh, Three interceptions and uh, uh, 22 to 17 score. That's not bad. That's improved. No. And I think call this, you know, what it is. Call it coping. Call it apologizing. Call it the tail of the tape. Call it whatever. I genuinely believe the Jets were the better team on the field. And that there was a handful of missed opportunities that cost them that game. And I think if the momentum in that stadium, if that penalty isn't called on John Franklin Myers, who knows what it would have been like. But I do think that there is things to take forward and look and look ahead and hope for improvement. And that's where I'm going to go next. It's the topic we have to talk about. What the heck was wrong with Zach Wilson? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with things to be positive about before we get into the negatives. And if you remember, Matt, we said last week, my whole topic and yours as well was it's put up or shut up time. You have an opportunity to produce. You have an opportunity to make a name for yourself. This is the biggest game of your career. Your team is winning. This is your biggest division rival. You're down other players around you. You're the number two pick. Go prove it. And for the first quarter and a half, it looked like he was doing it. For the first quarter and a half, he made a handful of very nice throws, made his uh, way on the move, evaded pressure like we've seen all year, 
was throwing accurately, finally finding people downfield, converted a third down to Tyler Conklin, backed up in his own red zone on what I believe was eventually a touchdown drive. Again, to Tyler Conklin in the red zone further down, making a gorgeous throw to the outside pylon. Absolutely perfect. Matt Judon coming from his right side. He's got his eyes and his body to the left, so he doesn't see it, doesn't phase him, steps in the throw and throws a dart to Conklin for a score. There was a lot to like. You got a double move on the outside on a a bootleg rollout to the right to Garrett Wilson for 54 something yards that started the drive and and kept things, you know, got an explosive play. Zach Wilson had his career high in passing yards this game with 355. Granted, 21 of those came on a little pop pass to Garrett Wilson and about another 40 something of those came in yak on a Denzel Mims catch later in uh, at the end of the game. But that's still a respectable output of passing compared to the last handful of weeks from what we had seen with a run game that really couldn't do much all day with a run game that really felt limited without the explosiveness of Brees Hall and the ability to manipulate defenders in space and take the corner with his speed. It really didn't seem like there was the same caliber of total offensive output around Zach, as opposed to what we've seen in weeks before that said, his mistakes and his interceptions are absolutely inexcusable. Inexcusable. That's inexcusable for a high school quarterback, let alone the second pick in the draft. Point blank, period. There is no defending the attitude of time and time again making the same mistake, never giving up on a play until it's way too late, and then when he does have an opportunity to give up, still trying to make something happen and still not being ready to say the play's over and let's get him on the next down and costing his team with turnovers time and time again. You can argue that the second interception was thrown and it was out of bounds and McCourty shouldn't have caught it and his whole left knee was out of bounds or whatever. That's fine. The first interception, he's trying to throw. It's a good decision. The guy's open. He's trying to throw a shallow cross, but he's got pressure in his face. He doesn't stand in the pocket. He lets his feet drift. He falls away as he's throwing. Ball sails up in the air, gets picked off by Jawan Bentley. You need to be able to set your feet. Like we said last week, you need to be able to keep yourself in bounds, uh, keep yourself in the field of play, keep your mechanics tight and not lose track of your throwing motion. And then the two other interceptions afterwards is just carelessness with the football and, and not taking the stalemate of a play and risking a negative play because you don't want to admit that you couldn't do it on that particular down and being frustrated. The second one, was it trying to be a throwaway? Yeah, sure. I'll make that argument. It was going to the sideline. McCordy had slide. Part of his body was out of bounds. Sure. Still wasn't a good decision either way. The third interception he threw was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen a quarterback throw. <laughs> that was the, ridiculous. The, the third interception he threw was literally like, F this. I don't even care about this game anymore. And he arm punted it. There isn't a, a receiver within a country mile. There's four Patriots downfield and he's just heaving the ball. It was awful. Absolutely and totally awful. There's no other word for it. I can't even begin to find any silver lining or defense, and I have no reason to or no plans to. That's terrible. And Zach Wilson has to be better as the second pick in the draft than that. Your team is too good now. Your team has too much on the line now. There is too many guys around you who are playing good football, who are risking injury, that are looking to get their checks at the end of the day, just like everybody else. And you are costing them an opportunity to be put in the spotlight, which this team has not felt in very, very, a very, very long time. That is not okay. I really hope that this is the week. And I guess I'll keep saying it until it happens that I hope this is the week that wakes him up 
and realizes that when you get in those situations, you have to be better. But that's not going to be the end of his problems. That's not going to be everything is going to be fixed when he stops rolling out of the pocket and chucking prayers downfield. There's still some other issues that we need to get cleaned up. Matt, I want to let you go ahead and get into it as we were talking about this on Twitter the other day. But there's some some really sad miscues on his tape that he should be better at at this point in his career. Yeah, and these are miscues that are in a clean pocket. Uh, We can take the first pass of the game as an example where this is a scripted play. They, They go over this in practice. Uh, more than once, and it, they're r- ready for this play. And what happens? Zach misses the the read on the the slant to to, to Wilson, and instead, uh, without even looking at Wilson, just makes the decision unilaterally to throw it to to Barrios in the in the flat, and who is covered almost immediately by a defensive end. He or I think he starts his wind up before he even. Uh, looks at Barrios. Uh, it, th- this play to, to Wilson is just a, a microcosm of what's uh, ailing Zach and his inability to see the field and to see what he needs to do. Uh, another is the the Mims uh, throw that was a back shoulder out of bounds, which was an amazing effort by Mims, by the way. Oh but yeah, it was almost time, an incredible catch. You, you were talking. You you brought up this play. Uh, and you're dead on in that he beat Mims beat his guy on his nine route. He had at least a step on him. And if Zach throws it in front of him and hits him in stride, that's a touchdown probably, but no, probably instead he throws it back shoulder and the out of bounds incomplete was the result. He is not seeing the field. And on top of that, he's playing scared when he's, he's been pressured so much this year so far. Uh, Plus you have the injury history. I think that all plays into how his mind is working, Uh, whether he's leaving the pocket early when there's no pressure coming from anywhere. uh, Or if it's just not even thinking about the basics of just throwing the ball away. Uh, It just seems like his brain freezes and goes into tunnel vision, uh, and he can't really comprehend everything else that's going on. Uh, there was a, I, th- I think it was maybe the second interception where he's looking at two wide receivers that are open, and he doesn't yep. throw the ball at all, and he just holds on to it, and then he just starts doing his class of his classic backpedal, loses all leverage altogether, and then just tosses it into a heap of, of Patriots and results in an interception. It's it's mind-numbing watching him sometimes in his inability. He, he we, we talk so much about his ability to, to make plays off schedule, to escape. But then after that, it's kind of just like he hits a wall. The, it's so rare that he's able to make something happen. Yes, he did it on that design bootleg to to Wilson downfield on, on the double move, but that, 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 does, that, was that doesn't count. That was no, yeah, that's, that, that's that was planned. He's got Uzama <laughs> cracking down as a block, like block for him. Garrett Wilson's the only read. It's a double move. It's a design shot. Like that's no, like if he, that's the whole point of why you get a quarterback like him in your offense is that he can be rolling out and booting and still be able to make that throw downfield. 
Yes, that's great. He can do that. But that doesn't mean that he can do that when it's a second reaction, when it's the plan, when he knows that's what he's doing the whole time. And this has exactly been his problem is when he there's good blocking in front of him. And when his first read or second read is open and open fast, he can get to it and he can hit it and he's accurate. And that's why you see with his passing splits, he's a fantastic quarterback when things are kept clean and he's awful and quite literally the worst in the league under pressure. If, if everything isn't working for him right away, his brain shuts off and he goes into panic mode and he goes, okay, well now I have to worry about the rush. Now I have to get out. Now I have to do this. I don't know. Uh, It's going to be too late by the time I get back to this other read, I'm going to get pressured. And his brain goes hundred miles an hour and ends up doing nothing. And it's just, it, I don't know how you fix it mid season. That's the problem. That leads to my next question though. How does it get fixed and who's to blame? Because I see a, a, a little bit of a, a groundswell in the sentiment that this is on the coaches, that they're not doing their job. And as a result, Zach can't do his. I tend to point the other direction, put this squarely on Zach and his mental capacity. Uh, what do you think? Um, I'm going to try and make a very nuanced take here. Uh, and keyword there is try. <laughs> It is on Zach Wilson more than anybody else, bar none, without excuse. Yes, you've had injuries in both of your seasons so far as a starter, but this is your job. This is what you've lived your whole life for. You're the film junkie that lives and breathes football. These are some basic quarterback things that you're messing up on routinely. It's mainly on him. But the conundrum that we are in right now, as much as I want to say it's on him, And it is, there's a lot of circumstances that are outside of his control that have made this a heck of a lot harder. First and foremost, you get injured and you miss all of preseason and pretty much all of training camp. And so you're coming in four weeks into the season when everyone else has already got their feet wet and they're in playing shape and they've been playing for a while and they're used to the the flow of practice leading up to game week and, and all of that. And you're getting your first action on the road being thrown right into that. That's, that's tough for any player. It would take any player a few games to get back into the groove or even potentially start fast, dip down, catch themselves back up again and and be okay. That's tough for anyone. And then you look at what the Jets offensive line has had to deal with with injuries this season. That's not his fault either. You look at how this past game in particular, you don't have Brees Hall as a threat out of the backfield, as a dangerous weapon that can make plays when no one else on your offense seemingly can. That's tough. That would be tough on anybody in that same situation. And it's really, really difficult for me to sit here and say it is 100% on Zach Wilson. Because I just don't think it is. I think there's too many other factors that have made it difficult. But is it like 70% on Zach Wilson? Yeah. And I don't think in the slightest, in any sort of a fathomable imagination. Could I sit here and say that in any percentage of it is Michael floor. Michael floor is scheming people open. The jets offense is moving the ball. They're generating explosive plays. They're scoring points. I would have to look at their, their season average for scoring, but I would imagine this is one of their highest scoring average seasons so far in the last handful of years. They're, they're doing well as a team and doing well as an offense in general. They're struggling with the most important position on the field and they're doing everything they can to help him be better. 
but he's still struggling. And it's kind of one of those things where you get set up for failure. And then after that, when you continue to fail, it's still your fault because there's plenty of opportunities of people being able to, to pull themselves out of bad situations and improve. But it's sometimes it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of rehabbing an injury yourself, when you're in the middle of going into your second season, when they're dealing with the pressure of being the second pick in the draft. There's a lot of things that make this difficult. And so I think it's really, really easy for people like you and me and everybody else to get up and say, oh, he should be better. And, oh, you know, do your job, play football, learn, yada, yada. Agreed. I said all of that. And I think all of that stands. But we have to recognize that there's a lot of other factors at play that don't make it so easy. And just because it's his job doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Yeah, Uh, it is a very difficult job. Uh, But at the same time, when he came off that injury and we're in Pittsburgh, uh, he showed up. He put his best game forward, and he arguably won us the game. And then the next couple of weeks after that, he did enough. He was able to keep these plays under wraps. It wasn't until this game, this game in particular, that it seemed everything fell out the window. And yes, maybe it's a culmination of everything. Uh, coming uh, coming to a head, whether it's injuries to the offensive line uh, or just not having the the preseason to really work out everything he really wanted to work out, maybe. I, but at the same time, some of the things that he did against the Patriots, you wouldn't even see in peewee football. So it's... It, it's right. a, it can only it's, excuse so much. Yeah, how, how much can you really excuse with all the things that he has no control over. And it's that, that, that group, that, that group of things that it, he can't control or is very small. And when it comes down to it, he needs to be an NFL quarterback and being an NFL quarterback means being able to throw the ball away. It means not throwing the ball into a sea of white jerseys of the other team. It means seeing the field. It means, being able to handle pressure it's these are these are just the bare minimum do these things and hey maybe you'll be average and if he can't he's gonna be like uh, he wasn't in the new england game uh and it doesn't get any easier after this no it doesn't and this is where i think it's very hard for us to be able to judge because if I'm trying to look at this from a coaching perspective, obviously we know what his, his issues are. And obviously you don't want to be beating the crap out of your own quarterback in practice to get him better at facing pressure. So what do you do to try and emphasize that that's the problem? And I would hope that the coaches are in his ear and trying their best to just get him to calm down and play relaxed and operate in every handful of second like he operates at the beginning of place, because I think if you overload him way too hard and and come down on him with the, Oh, you know, like we'll get a stopwatch out. And every time it's, it's more than 2.5 seconds, we're going to blow the whistle and he's going to know that he ran out of time. That's the worst possible thing you can do because the problem isn't him holding on to the ball too long in the pocket. The problem really isn't him holding on to the ball too long 
in general, because when he does hold on, he's he's making people miss. He's getting out of the way. He's not getting sacked and he's still in position to throw the ball away. It's just not throwing it away at the time he should. And then when he does throw it away, he's still sometimes throwing down the field and throwing in bounds and risking interceptions. On top of that, he really, really needs to improve at that reaction ability of, okay, my first read is covered. I think my second read is covered too. Now what? Because it's at right now it's panic. It's run away, backpedal, try and spin and panic. And it needs to be step up in the pocket, look for a lane. Like I said, the week before, know where your lanes of escape are before the play. There was a play that uh, Mac Jones had in this very same game. It came on a third down where the Jets were in one of their overload fronts on a third and long, where they had three of their defensive linemen all over to the right, and they had, I believe it was Carl Lawson isolated on the left tackle in a wide nine. And there's this giant gap in the left B gap. And Mac Jones can see that before the snap and go, wow, all those guys are aligned there. And there's this wide open hole. And if no one moves or stunts or twists that, and everyone's just where they are, that there's going to be a big gap of space for me to move up into. And what happens on third down? The Jets defense covers it perfectly. They don't run any sort of stunt or twist. The defensive line leaves this hole wide open. Mac Jones runs up ahead of it, scrambles, picks up the first down. We don't see that from Zach. We did a little bit last year. We don't see it anymore. And we need to start seeing it soon because it's he's teetering on we need another quarterback right now. How long do you give him? If, let's say, the next four games, or even just next game against uh, Buffalo, looks the exact same as New England. Do, Do you start to question what we do after the bye? If by looks the exact same, you mean just as just as careless, just as inexcusable, just as stupid, and just as like disgusting is the only other word I can think. Yes. Where he's quite literally throwing to if you get that two weeks in a row, then Mike White starts coming out of the bye. Because you that's not that is not okay. That is that is quite literally self-destructive. That is warning bells going off in perpetuity when you are at that point throwing games away. That's you. If you're trying and actually legitimately trying and failing and trying to improve from your mistakes and you get some unlucky play where you try and throw it out of bounds and it gets tipped or bounced around and someone catches it or you're making a play where you roll out and you see someone downfield, you try and hit them and it hits them in the hands and they drop it and it gets picked off. That's a completely different story. But if it's the exact same carelessness and the exact same aloofness that we saw at the end of this game at that third interception, if you see that again against Buffalo, you cannot send a message to your team that that is acceptable. He has to be set. He has to be benched immediately. Immediately. I don't even think he finishes the game. That's interesting. I, I, I something that went under the radar was the move with Flacco and him being uh, rotated into the third quarterback position and they moved white up to the number two. I wonder if that move was in preparation for maybe a possible move in the future in that they already saw Flacco and what he could do. And maybe they, they want to see what they can do with, with white at the helm. Uh, if the possibility of, of Zach not really regaining his confidence and doesn't show anything different from what he showed us last week. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I also think, I don't think they have any plans to bench Zach Wilson. First off, 
Salah has come out and said that Joe Douglas has repeated the same thing. I think that legitimately is true. I don't think they have any plans to bench him because if they do, then they look bad for, for picking him in the first place. So they don't want that to happen. They want Zach to succeed just as much as anybody, if not more than anybody, because it's their jobs on the line. If he doesn't, that said, I think they're worried about how much he's running around. I think they're worried about how he's handling pressure. And they think that there's potentially a likely scenario where he either completely self-destructs like you're talking about or gets himself hurt again. And so if he's going to be potentially out of the lineup for any particular reason, they need to figure out exactly what they have in Mike White still to see if he's worth keeping on the team or worth using as a trade asset. I also think subconsciously, this is a way to put pressure on Zach. Because if you are Zach Wilson and you're in this starter role and you get benched in a game for Joe Flacco and Flacco plays great, that's fine. Flacco's never going to be the quarterback of the future at 37. He's not a real threat to take your job for the foreseeable future to where you're going to get Wally pipped and, and not be able to reclaim that position. Mike White's young enough to do that still. Mike White could very well play well enough in a random scenario where Zach isn't playing anymore, play well enough to keep, to keep the job and continue on. And I think that that in the back of Zach's mind now is okay. I, I don't have the luxury of I'm, I'm the guy. I know I'm the guy. I have no challenge. I have no competition. I can be careless and it's not going to affect me. I think that's what that is on top of they're worried about him getting hurt and they want to see what they have in white. If he does get hurt. Unfortunately, I think Zach's also worried about getting hurt and that may also be attributing to a lot of the mental errors that he's uh, having right now, whether it's fear to run, uh, whether it's fear of staying in the pocket or just the inability to focus on anything is maybe just all derived from his fear of getting hurt. And he's got a lengthy injury history. So I can see him seeing himself as the guy that can't get hurt again. Because if he gets hurt again, what does that mean for his career? Yeah, I I can definitely understand how he could be having that on his mind. I mean, I think the, the easiest example and ways to look at it and know this is not a fair comparison. And I know that and I'm, I'm stating that to start with, but the sheer starkness of the difference is kind of what I'm trying to draw the point to. You look at how Zach Wilson runs away from people and tries to make people miss and is always looking to keep himself clean. And every now and again, you'll see him duck his shoulder and fight for extra yards. He had a rushing touchdown against the dolphins where he dove for the end zone. And that's great. We love all of that, but most of the time, especially when he's in the pocket, when he's trying to make a play with his arm, it's very much a passive way of evading people. I'm going to try and run around. I'm going to try and retreat. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have the confidence to step up and move forward and challenge you. Or if you get a hand on me, see if I'll have the ability to run through it or, you know, lower the shoulder and, and fight through somebody. And then you watch someone like Josh Allen, who the jets are about to play this week. And it's like he dares defenders to try and come get him. And it's like he's in the pocket and he has no fear whatsoever moving and stepping up. And he doesn't care if someone gets an arm around his leg. He's still going to stand tall and make the throw. And Allen being 6'5 and 240 versus Wilson being 6'2 and probably like 215 is not a fair comparison. Yes. No. <laughs> but, but it's not like there also haven't been quarterbacks sack size who have been better at that too. 
And it's not like that he's the first quarterback of that size to ever play this game and still have to adjust and adapt and be able to be tough and and not be afraid and play reckless with your body as sad as it is to say quite honestly that's how you avoid injuries in this league you can't play scared you can't be going out there worrying that you're going to get hurt because then it's going to happen you're going to plant awkwardly you're not going to be playing free your body isn't going to be loose there's a million and one reasons why yeah you hesitate and and don't go to cut the exact same right way as you normally would because you're worried you might twist your knee and then you do it anyway it's it's a rough way to be and i'm really hoping that this week it's not going to happen against the bills but i'm hoping that the bye week is some therapy for zach wilson and we can see him come out the week after in new england a a different player because otherwise it's the end of the season and with how good this team is the jets might be looking for another quarterback at the end of the year and this is a rough game to to really have to prove yourself this this is an all-time hard game to show that you can be the quarterback. And I think it's fair for all of us to recognize that first and foremost, like, can, can we just sit here and be, if, if Zach Wilson struggles again, that it's okay. We expected that the bills of one of the best defenses in the league and have for a handful of years. And their offense is really potent, which means their defense is always fresh and teams are going to have to throw to stay in the lead to stay in the game because they need to keep up with their offense that this is a, a tough matchup for every other starting quarterback in the league significantly. I like, can we start there please? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, we acknowledge that first and then it makes it a little bit easier to be a, more forgiving after this game. Um, as long as it's not a carbon copy of what we saw against New England. Uh, if he struggles, I, I expect struggles. I'm not expecting him to really blow the wheels off the bills. Uh, even though the Bills do have a little bit of a of some of some, of some injuries that the, they're dealing with, uh, who do they have? They got Tremaine Edmonds just showed up on the injury report with a new heel injury. Uh, you got Matt Milano has an oblique injury; he didn't uh, play. Uh, you had Jordan Poyer with an elbow in, injury; he didn't play. Uh, so they've got some big names that uh, have some injury concerns. So. Hey, if Zach's going to take advantage of, of this defense, now's the time to do it. Uh, we saw the Dolphins uh, go up against this defense with that was ailing from uh, from injuries, and they beat them. That's their only loss of the season. So, hey, I'm not saying Zach can, can be Tua, but uh, hey, he could be Tua. <laughs> yeah, I, and quite honestly, that might be all he needs to be. Yeah. Where if you're looking, if we're trying to look at this objectively, I think the Jets are a solid, not great, not amazing, not, oh my God, they're going to win, but a solid matchup for the Bills and the fact that they can cover on the back end. And they have two really, really good corners on the outside that can win in one-on-ones. And it's not like we've seen like the last two games the Jets played against the Bills in 2021 when Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall were in three uh, off coverage cover three and Josh Allen was throwing curl routes to Stephon Diggs every single play down the field. It, that's not going to happen this time. There's This is a much improved defense overall. I think their defensive line is stronger. Their linebacking unit has been playing better. There's a ton of talent on the Buffalo Bills offense. No doubt about it. They have some dudes, and it's not to be taken lightly, and no one more important than their quarterback. But I do think that this isn't going to be a situation where they're just going to be able to 
complete every pass they throw and Josh Allen's going to look like Peyton Manning in 2008. I think that they're going to have to work for it too. I think the defensive line is going to do what they can to get some pressure up front. And it's going to come down to the offense, keeping things close enough so that the bills defense doesn't get to pin their ears back every play. And the jets defense doesn't get tired out. Yeah, that's, that's the hard part. How do you keep your offense on the field against this defense? How do you give that defense a break? And it's not going to be easy, especially if they can't get their running game going. That's, that's the main thing is that once we lost Hall, we kind of lost the heart of our offense. He became the heart and soul. He became our go-to guy when we need those tough yards, especially in the second half. Uh, if, when, if we had a lead, it was Hall that we turned to to really put the screws to defenses. And we don't have that now. We have Carter, who's a great running back. We have Robinson, who's also a very good running back. Uh, so we've got guys that are no stranger to having success in this league. Uh, but at the same time, they are in Hall. And with this offensive line in the shambles that it's in, uh, they haven't found their groove yet. So it's unlikely where Hall was able to make his own gains. And Carter can do that as well. He can make people miss, the first guy miss all the time. But at the same time, Carter doesn't have that that uh, breakaway speed that Hall had. He doesn't have the big play threat uh, every single time he touches the ball. Uh, so, yes, they can make things happen, but not at the same level as Hall and not as often as Hall. So it's just going to all fall on Zach's arm again. And if he's throwing 40 times a game, it also makes the likelihood of him making bonehead plays that much higher. Uh, it doesn't matter if they don't have a lot of their guys in the secondary that they normally have. They're still going to make plays because if they're front four is are, is getting the pressure that they normally get every single game. It doesn't matter who they have back there because Zach's probably going to be making mistakes. And those balls at sale, uh, they're going to sail into the arms of Bill's defenders. Uh, so it's it's going to be a hard task. Uh, I I don't I for one don't see it happening. No, I don't necessarily see it happening either. And I really think that, like you said, the offensive line is still reeling with their injuries and getting used to their new spots. They're likely to have the same five starters again for the second week in a row, which is a positive. But those same five starters are two backups at this point and a old free agent who was signed in the middle of the summer who missed them all of training camp or most of training camp with an injury that could have put him in retirement. And just speaking personally off what I've seen, Dwayne Brown has not been good the last two weeks. No. And I don't want to be everyone on the team needs to play well. It's everyone's job to perform and everyone's job to execute. This is the time when the three veterans with the most starting experience left in that line being Dwayne Brown, Lake and Tomlinson and Connor McGovern. This is when they need to step up more than any other, anyone else, anywhere else, any other time. And I felt like, to be quite honest, that McGovern and Lakin had a pretty solid game, especially in pass protection. I don't feel like there was too much interior pressure. I felt like it was mostly coming from the edges, but man, it was coming from the edges. And you had Dwayne Brown, who could not handle Matt Junon. You had Cedric Abwehi, who could not handle anybody. And it was it was a rough outing. And we're going to need to see some improvement from them up front. The one way I think that they can get some easy yards 
just make your manufactured touches for Barrios part of your base package because the guy finds a way to get positive yards basically every time he touches the ball. And I think he can be the the difference for your run game where we saw again in the Denver game, I don't know how he made that cut to get upfield and basically cut 90 degrees off that jet sweep when the cutback lane was in front of him, but he did. He, no one expected him to hit that crease and he got 20 something yards out of it and got an explosive. We saw him score a touchdown. I believe it was against the dolphins on just a little smoke route, just a, a smoke screen. Barrios just stands, turns off the snap line of scrimmage, catches the ball, makes a guy miss runs up the field. I think it was 21 yards for a score. This guy is a weapon. And we saw a little bit of getting the ball in Garrett Wilson's hands. And I love that Garrett Wilson's a great playmaker, Matt. This is another thing we were talking about off air, his little 21 yard pot pass, like probably should have been a touchdown. And if he doesn't do the little double cross rocker step Elvis, you know, young Forrest Gump (laughs) walk in the middle of the field, then he and just takes the corner to the outside that's in front of him and runs by the DB who's already breaking down and already stopping his feet to try and make the tackle. I don't know who catches him. And we've seen him do that a couple of times this year when he gets out into the open where he's like trying too hard to make people miss that he misses the wide open lane to just get upfield and run. And Barrios is the opposite of that. Barrios is get me the ball, get upfield. I will only make you miss if I have to. And if you're in my way, I'll put my shoulder down and run through you. That's what this offense needs in those short situations. So if you can't block in the run game, then just give Braxton the ball and let him do it for you. And it just seems like defenses are really focusing on Wilson, Conklin, and maybe Barrios. So I feel like that gives opportunities to other guys as well. Carter out of the backfield, uh, CJ, Mims. I feel like these guys have a lot of opportunity. Let's see what happens with more, more, if more gets more playing time. Uh, I feel like he also would get a lot of good looks and opportunities out there. Uh, I want to see more guys see, get the ball. Uh, I know they like feeding their, their big playmakers like, like Wilson, which makes sense. You want to get the ball in the hands of your big guys. Uh, but at the same time, they're focusing on these guys. They're they're looking to take these guys out and limit them. Yeah, sure they'll they'll get underneath looks, uh, but it's it's probably not going to be for a lot. If we want explosives, which is what we're always looking for, we have to be a little bit more creative and spread the ball around a little bit more, uh, which I think we can do. I think if we have if we can buy enough time for Zach, if he could stand tall in the pocket, big if, uh, then yeah, there's opportunities there. I remember seeing. Uh, CJ Carter on a number of plays Mims also where they were wide open and could have gone for touchdowns or, or, or just big plays. And Zach just needs to see them, just see them. Yeah. It's that simple. We we can try and come up with other ways and and specific avenues to try and get points uh, offensively and, and keep the jets in this game. But it's simply put Zach Wilson needs to perform. And so far he hasn't. And if he doesn't, it's likely that they're going to be playing from behind the eight ball again. And it's going to be very tough to beat this team. It's already very tough to beat the Buffalo Bills when everything is working. It's even harder when your quarterback is struggling. So it's this is going to be a test. Defensively, I think this can be a better game. I, I really do. I think the defense can can do what they can to limit this offense, to not have just the explosions that we've seen before. I really think that there's a chance. And I think that's a good point to talk about, Matt, when we uh, bring up the only trade deadline trade that the Jets made 
which was sending Jacob Martin to the Denver Broncos, replacing Bradley Chubb, who's now in Miami. God rest Zach Wilson's soul. <laughs> sending a 2024 fifth round pick and Jacob Martin to recoup a 2024 fourth round pick. So solid value in getting to move up an entire round uh, with Jacob Martin, a player that you clearly didn't have room for anymore. You have other guys you want to get on the field. And I think that's the point to make, like we were talking about off air before this, this is now Bryce Huff's role. He's now going to be in this game plan and in this rotation a lot more heavily. And it's a damn good thing because he's quite literally one of the best edge rushers in the league. Yeah, it's, and it's not really surprising either, because if we looked at last year before his injury, he was in the same spot when, when it comes to win percentage, he was near the top. I think it was top five last year. Well, this year he's tied for first with, Miles Garrett. So that's amazing company. Uh, he is winning and at an alarming rate. Uh, I think you said before the show is like 54% against the England. against the Patriots at a 54% win rate, which is, is the is highest wild. by any defensive end or pass rusher in a game this season. Yes. In uh, the NFL, in the NFL, uh, my God, he is a dynamo out there uh, as an undrafted free agent. Uh, I mean, going even going back to Memphis, you, it was very obvious looking at his burst, how special he can be on the edge, uh, especially on outside moves. Uh, it, it's it's fun to see. And uh, it, Martin was kind of just taking plays away from him, taking him off the field. So the fact if we can get him on the field, even for just a little bit more, uh, I think it can only help us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's making impact plays. He, on the first interception, the, the should have been two interceptions by Michael Carter the second, but on the first one that did count, only counted because Mac Jones got his arm uh, knocked as the ball was in the air and Bryce Huff was there getting the pressure. I think they had a forced fumble in the uh, game as well where they were able to get to Mac Jones and get the ball with Bryce Huff getting the sack fumble. I mean, this was a, a devastatingly good game for him. And like you said, we called it last year. I against week four against Tennessee. I said, call me crazy. He looks like Dwight Freeney. And when he's healthy, that's what he looks like. It's the same body type. It's the same speed. It's the same bend. It's the same ability to be inches off the ground and have your legs kicked out to the side of you like a, a Formula One motorcycle racer rounding a corner and still be able to reach and get pressure on the quarterback and get home. That is a, a rare, rare talent in the NFL. I cannot wait to see Bryce Huff play more. And on top of that, this opens the door for our main man, the the mascot of the Oklahoma Drill podcast at this point, Jermaine Johnson, who's <laughs> off the injury report officially, looking to be fully healthy, probably could have played last week against New England. But now he's back and there's more snaps to be had for him. And I think he's only going to improve with more playing time as well. I can't wait to see what these guys do. There's still so many guys in that group. <laughs> we, we didn't even mention uh, Curry. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like how much talent we have on that defensive line, uh, Franklin Myers, who I think is also up there in win percentage. I think he's, uh, rocking a 19 point something. Uh, and I, I, I love the, the loss in him on the inside with Q and then you have Huff, uh, on, as the other big end. I think that group is probably our group a pass rushing group. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think Huff has escalated his way into that caliber. And I think that part of why you move Jacob Martin 
is one, you don't need him anymore because Bryce Huff can do all the stuff that he was going to do. And two, you're upping the snaps of everyone else around them and you can get a little more flexible with your packages and you don't have to worry about getting Martin his snaps. And I think that's, it's going to be devastating to see what their, their true third and long pa- uh, packages can look like. Cause I think you're going to have some combination of Carl Germain and Huff off the edges and some combination of Quinnen JFM Rankins maybe Michael Clemens as well on the interior. And who do you block at that point? It's very hard. I don't know. who. Uh, just looking at the pass rush snaps for both Martin and Huff, they both split 13 pass rush snaps. So if those 13 go to, to Huff, I can only see good things happening. Yeah. Uh, one more stat on Bryce Huff, uh, comparing him to the freak of nature. That is miles Garrett. Uh, for next-gen stats, he is the fastest get-off in the league this season. He gets off an average get-off to cross the line of scrimmage at 0.65 seconds for every player with at least 50 pass rushes. Miles Garrett is next at 0.7, and the average for edge rushers is 0.89. Wow. <laughs> like I said, impressive. 24 tenths of a second above the average time. It doesn't sound like a lot, but in terms of get off, that is a, a huge, huge amount. That is ridiculous that he is winning so quick. I'm, I think he's going to have a monster game this week. I hope he's up to the task in tackling Allen, though. That, that's, the, that's the hard part. He, that he, is the hard part. Winning seems to be very easy for him. Now the hard part is bringing the guy down that doesn't want to go down and is very hard to bring down. Uh, yeah, uh, all all the power to him, but it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is a good point to end before we get to our picks. This was kind of my last thought I had on defense. Quan Alexander, you're spying Allen every time you're on the field. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the guy I want wrapping up. That's the guy I want meeting someone one-on-one that I need to make the tackle in space. I don't think I've ever, I can't remember seeing Quan miss a tackle this year. And when he gets going downhill and when he has a full head of steam, it's leveling. It's a wrecking people. ball. Yeah, he's flattening people. He's absolutely crushing people. And I think that that's the guy you want spying Allen. I think he's quick enough to do it. I think he has the speed to do it. I think Quincy could probably do it too, but I'm worried about Quincy missing the tackle. Yeah. And if Quincy was a little more a little more of a form tackler and a little better in that area, I think he'd be even better. But I want to make sure Allen goes down, and I want to make sure Allen feels when the Jets hit him, and I think Quan's the guy for that role. Absolutely. I'll, although I, I've seen a, a step up in in uh, the, that area for, for Quincy this year. I've seen oh, yeah, him. Quincy's been better for sure. He's been uprooting people uh, in, with some good form tackles, especially in the, in the middle of the line. He's been filling gaps uh, without me even really seeing him. He just, with a flash, just sifting through the mess and getting his guy. And they've been really good at, at, at stopping guys at the line. Uh, as long as they're not on the field all game, they, they're, they're pretty good in the beginning of games usually with stopping the run. Uh, so if we can get them off the field and keep them fresh, we've got a chance. Yeah. And that's going to be, uh, that's going to be the question. I think the bills are going to want to throw the ball. They just traded Zach Moss to the Colts for Naheem Hines. Who's more of a pass catching running back. And they already have Devin Singletary and James cook. Neither of those guys are really powerhouses. I think Singletary runs with a little more power than you would expect for his size, but I don't think anyone would argue that he's less powerful than a guy like Zach Moss. 
they're looking to have the the smaller pass catcher chop you up in space guys now. They're not trying to be the the power run tough nose football team on offense. And I think it's the, as the defense for the Jets that kind of plays into your hand because I think you can play to a more coverage style of defense. You don't have to worry about loading the box and you can still stop the run because your front four and front seven in general has been really good at it. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, yeah, but one thing we haven't really been able to do is cover running backs out of the backfield, though. Uh, so, yeah, that'd be nice if we can really find a formula that works for that. Yeah, that's going to be... Um, you know what? Uh, you just led me to picks this week because that was basically going to be the topic of my pick for this week in terms of how this game is going to go. Um, if I know the Buffalo Bills and I know Josh Allen as a quarterback... Josh Allen for as flashy and as talented and as amazing as the incredible plays that he can make, he'll make, but he has absolutely no problem just hitting the same play over and over and over and killing a defense with paper cuts until it works. And I think that's what's going to happen to the Jets this week. I think the Patriots did it a little bit with Ramondre Stevenson. They probably should have done it more. And the Jets hadn't really been tested by running backs out of the backfield as a main option in the passing game for most of this season. I don't know if you remember going back to to week three, Matt, leading up to the Bengals game when I was talking about how Joe Mixon was running routes more than anybody else, but the Bengals weren't throwing to him. Mm -hmm. And so we could be worried about, you know, Joe Mixon out of the backfield. And that's a problem. But if the Bengals aren't going to throw to him anyway, then who cares? And then it didn't matter because their receivers just got open and torched us on the back end. (laughs) But regardless from that, this is the game. I think it comes back to bite them. This is the game I think Devin Singletary or James Cook really, really has a big day. And we see the Jets linebacking core, specifically C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams, struggle in coverage and struggle to keep up. And it could be a, a, a nine-catch, 141-yard and a touchdown day with another 50 yards rushing on top of it for Singletary. And the Jets will lose by a, a significant margin. I'm not confident. I'm definitely not confident after we saw from this offense. I think quite honestly, as bluntly as I can put it, if Zach plays that careless again, I don't think you can play after the bye. I, I, you have to send a message to your, the rest of your team that that is unacceptable and that you're, you cannot just be sacrificing wins and not facing any punishment for it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Zach is self-aware enough to know Uh, this is the, I cannot do this again. And if he's not, then that's a sign that he shouldn't be in the position that he's in. I don't think the jets are going to win. I think it's going to be a solid output by the defense that gets overshadowed by some struggles on offense and a final score that looks a lot worse than it probably should. I'm going to go 24, 10 bills. I think this could be a game where through most of it, the bills are up seven to 10 points. And then you get, uh, a hail, uh, a late game pick six from Buffalo that puts them up another score and then puts the game out of reach. I think our defense is going to play overall pretty well, but I think running backs out of the backfield are really what's going to kill him. I think Allen's going to break out of uh, a sack or two on a third down that's going to be a backbreaker, and it's just going to be a, a really, really tough, tough day for the Jets. They need this bye week coming up, and I'm glad they're getting it when they are. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. There's so many factors going into this game. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but there's there was a guy that posted in August. He did like a coin flip for every game on the I have schedule. Seen this, yes, and so far he's been a hundred percent correct. 
and he has us beating the Bills this week. Uh, so part of me is like, hmm, why mess with something good? The, but at the same time, all logic is telling me this is going to be a loss. I'm going to say it's going to be a lot closer than uh, maybe most think. I think that we're like 12-point underdogs right now. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than that. I'm going to say 21-17 Bills. I could see that too. I, I really could. I. I said 24, 10, but I think it'll be 17, 10 or, or 10 to three or, you know, 20 to 10 through most of the game. And it could be the jet score, a late touchdown and it's 2017 or 21, 17. Like you say, I, I think all of that is very possible. I think this is going to be a, a lot closer of a game than people realize. I think we're both in agreement there. Yeah. Hopefully Zach's the reason why it's close. I hope so. And this will be where I end because I don't want to spend any more time getting myself depressed over this. <laughs> but this is this next game is so much more important than people realize. If Zach comes out and struggles, but he's not being careless, that's okay. You can grow from struggles. You can learn from that. You can improve. That's not going to be easy. It's not guaranteed, but you can. If he comes out for the second week in a row and is outright careless, now you have a huge problem on your hands and one that I don't think you can come back from as a team. I think that the only way you remedy that situation is by benching him for Mike White after the uh, bye week. And I, and I don't, I don't think it's fair for Zach with the other things that have happened to him for him to get into the situation, but it's definitely not going to be fair to the rest of the team. If he's out there playing completely and totally careless while they're trying to win games. Yeah. I mean, we, I feel like everybody was when the more stuff happened, everybody's like, come on, we're winning. All right. The, you, you can't be this disappointed and selfish when we're winning, but you know what, if we start losing and it's really all falling on Zach, I think there a, a lot of uh, malcontent kind of rises to the surface. Yeah, no, it's, that's absolutely the truth. And I think, you know, it, say what you want about Elijah Moore, but he barely played this past week against the Patriots when Corey Davis was out. He didn't start the game. Denzel Mims started the game. Braxton Berrios was, were the two starting receivers, Mims and Berrios. This, this was not a game that you would have expected not having Elijah Moore last week to be the week that they would limit his role. And they did it again. And his only target of the day got batted down at the line. And it probably would have been thrown behind him, even if it wasn't. Zach's mechanics on that throw were awful. It's this is a tough situation and the Jets have one week in the bye week to figure it out because the end of the season is going to hit them before they know it. And this thing could snowball really fast. Well, time to divert that snowball before it gets going. Yep. The soap opera's back. We had a fun month. It was nice to, to do nothing but win and everyone be happy and show off our rookie of the week belts <laughs> every week. But now it's back to reality. Now it's back to the grind of the NFL season. Nothing is ever easy. Nothing ever is handed to you. And things are going to get tough, but you have to be able to persevere and, and weather through the storm. We'll see what this team does. They're young. They're going to have to grow up fast. We said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. Absolutely. I think that does it. This has been quite the vent session. Uh, think of this as like therapy for us at this point. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. 
And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can also follow the show at OKG Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening. We will be back next week to review the Jets against the Buffalo Bills. Look ahead to the bye week and hopefully see some improvement from Zach Wilson. Otherwise, we might have a week off to discuss 2023 quarterbacks. That would be a trip. Thank you again. And we'll be talking real soon. Bye bye. 